0: Hey, good morning. I gotta say, this is um, the most normal Sunday we've had since the Sunday before Green Lake. Isn't that crazy? I mean, think about the last time the two of us were standing here together. One wasn't gone, the other wasn't gone. Think about the last time that the the wing could fly. I was going to say. It's about as high as it can fly. (laughs) It can't do an awful lot, but I actually have a a free arm. I was able to sleep. I was able to drive to church myself this morning for the first time in six weeks. Tell you what, if you ever have driving taken away from you, oh my word, it's just horrible. It's it's just terrible. And for me, it comes down to knowing that I'm taking up someone else's time that they could be doing something else, I could be doing this myself, so it was, uh, it was, it was pretty nuts, but it's good to be back, and yeah. I feel like there are so many things to fill in, like I'm sure you've said something, but uh, you bought a house.
1: Yeah, so I did say that last week. And that's we, uh,
0: crazy, yeah, I know, you know, yeah. so you're getting a little closer, which is nice, now you'll yeah. only be a, a little late instead of <laughs> a lot of late, I mean, perfect, no, it'll be yeah. a lot of fun yeah. getting all moved in and everything else, and Emmett's got teeth now. Yeah. That's kind of fun, seeing those little chompers there, and we think more are coming, so that's been pretty cool. Cross Country's been doing really well
1: at school. Let how me did, tell you. How was yesterday? Yesterday went really well, uh, because Shanahan and Minooka, while we both feed into Minooka High School, we are, we are very fortunate. Being the smaller of the two schools, Manuka has to run, essentially for their sectional meet, they have to run the state meet against all the best teams in the state. It's like one of the best Lineups that we've ever seen in the state. They have like five kids that are all in like the like the top 25 of the state. So, Manuka unfortunately uh, did not do well yesterday because they have to run against the big bad boys, and we were the big bad boy in <laughs> in our sectional. So, uh, so we had like a clean sweep, uh, both boys and girls. So, yeah, one more we tack onto the season, one more week, and we'll be in Bloomington next Saturday for state. That's fun. That's great. It's How
0: fun. awesome! Well. I know you know I was gone last week, and you guys were kind of subtle about it. You just said I was away with, with Nate, so some of you thought I was in Texas, and I was not in Texas. Uh, my, my youngest decided that when you have a decade birthday, you should do kind of a, a phenomenal sort of birthday present, and so um, last weekend at about 12 o'clock Eastern time, this is where I was sitting, right there, that little dirt pile is going to be a stadium someday soon. And I, for the first time in my life, got to go to a Buffalo Bills game. And I got to tell you what. So I was a kid who went through several, 2 and 14 seasons. I was one of the only kids I knew at that point that was willing to still wear the jacket with the logo. I mean, sometimes I flipped it because I didn't want people (laughs) to know. But... um, Talk about a long-suffering group of people, you know. And that, that well, stadium,
1: the, the four consecutive. I, I don't even talk about that. That I just mean, it still hurts
0: too much. Give it another uh. ten years. But anyway, <laughs> um, so we arrive, and the place was. I mean, that, that can hold better than sixty thousand people, and they were all there. The thing that Orchard Park has not figured out is how to get people in and out. It's a little worse than Wrigley Field. I mean, it's just it's kind of nuts. But um, we just had a blast, and it was a little worrisome because. So, well, two things. First of all, the week before, the Dolphins had a phenomenal weekend. They scored 70 points, yeah. unheard of in the NFL. And so I'm like, oh man, we're going to get slaughtered. I hate Miami growing up as a Buffalo kid. I hate Miami. There's some stupid New England team that I can't stand that my youngest son decided to follow. So they, they were part of our I hate them, right? So the fact that the fish were in the room, in the bowl, and I was like, oh, let's squish them, but it's not going to happen. And I'll tell you what, They turned out a dream, dream weekend. I mean, at first it was going up and back. I'm like, whoever has the ball last is going to be the winner. By the time it was done, it was 48 20. And and so here's why it happened, though. Are any of you superstitious about sports? You have really, oh, you are liars. (laughs) Stupid, stupid superstitions. My stupid superstition if I'm in the room when the Bills kick off, they lose. Now, when you're 2 and 14, you can pretty much have any superstition it will come true, right? So if I'm in the room, they lose. We sit down, and I'm like, Nate, I can't sit here. If I see the kickoff, we're going to lose. But I can't just leave, because that would be disingenuous. So we're sitting there, and the national anthem's about to start, and this couple walks up, and they say, you're sitting in our seats. Oh, shoot. And I agree. It was a great spot. And we had to go from a great spot to being like this, squished arm and everything else. So we leave, and we come back in. And the game's going. I go, Nate, guess what? I wasn't there for the kickoff. This win was all me. All me. All me. Forget 100%, Josh, 100%, Allen, all you, oh, yes. Josh Allen. It's all you, percent Oh, Josh Allen, who's he? That was me. <laughs> I did that. I did that. That was amazing. So very fun weekend. I'll tell you some other stuff a little bit. But um, wow, that was nuts. And by the way... Um, you know, we live in Joliet, and sometimes it's easy to kind of ding Joliet for being classless. Oh, Buffalo's got nothing on you. <laughs> this is the most classless group of people you've ever met. I mean, I was right at home. I felt wonderful, right back to just scummy people. They're the best. They're amazing. <laughs> so anyway, we got some fun going on around here. Um, some, a group opportunity for people who speak Spanish exclusively. So looks pretty cool, huh? Yeah, yeah. Do you speak Spanish at all?
1: Hola. Yeah. yeah, I I, right. uh, I took four years of high school Spanish and got good grades, but what stuck is pretty much what I just gave you. So <laughs> I tell you, years and years ago,
0: we, we had the privilege of going to going to Israel, and um, and several days in, I found myself feeling kind of irritated, and I realized the irritation was because all around me people were speaking languages other than the one I understood. Hmm. And, and I, I can't imagine being around people who are always speaking another language and you're trying to understand. And so I love what we're doing for Spanish speakers around Southfield. I also love what we're doing with Deaf Ministry. Let's see if I get this right. Welcome. I'm trying to get some words from, uh, from Claudia these days. I, I do have another one. So this is the one Ma- mom is teaching Emmett. Stop. <laughs> he thinks it's funny. It, it, we got to come up with something better, like stop, you know, stop. So, um, I know mosquito. (laughs) There you go. Awesome. Awesome. So it's just really cool. Again, a couple times a month, uh, we have our deaf ministry here and would love the, the opportunity we have again to, to communicate to people who are just, you know, literally speaking different languages. And so, um, we just had that note out there today because, uh, this month the dates got a little off. Now we got to enjoy Kurt's baptism and that was just, it was incredible. So, uh, tell us about what's going on with students.
1: Yeah, Saturday, October 21st, we are going to be meeting with Refuge, so all of our junior hires and their friends and cousins and neighbors and whoever wants to come of junior high age, we're going to be doing an outdoor movie here at the building, which is just a, a cool thing that we get to do with the space that we have. And, and again, as we, as we head into fall, uh, we just want to be able to enjoy the, the property that we have. So it'll be a movie plus uh, some games and food and stuff. So uh, be looking forward to that. That's, again, Saturday, October 21st. And then the following week, on October 29th, is our murder mystery for high school. So we actually have been asking for kids to sign up for that, to register for it, and tell us whether or not you want a primary role, because basically the way these things work is we, get, we have a, a list of characters with descriptions and costume suggestions and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so you can either be like one of the primary roles where you're doing a lot of things. You're, you're talking to people, you have to... You know, maybe move this item from one room to another at some point without getting caught or you know, things like that. And then you have the roles that are like uh, character B and you know, character B's friend too and things like that. Nobody wants these, the, the, the empty roles. Nobody wants to just sit on the sideline and, and watch. Everybody wants to get involved so far, uh, which is really, really cool. So um, again, that's Sunday, October 29th. We're going to be extending group that night from Instead of six to eight, uh, we're going to go five to eight because it is a, a lengthier event and we're really, again, just fired up about it. So good stuff coming at the end of the month for, good. for our kids. So we're doing music up front today. So our
0: team is going to come up as I, as I finished with this one. The biggest disappointment about not being here last week was to not have the privilege to just say thank you. And I don't know if congratulations are appropriate, but uh, you saw a bus out there today. And... and um, God did that through your tremendous generosity. I mean, the bus was coming, whether it was going to be a bus with a huge amount of debt or less debt, and literally will have no debt. And, and it is overwhelmingly, yes, please. It is overwhelmingly because of the generosity of this church. I mean, we had people from the community that helped too, but it's overwhelmingly because of the generosity of this church. And so... Uh, it's got now it's not going to be running quite yet we're learning all kinds of things like you can't drive a bus that looks like a school bus if you're not a school so it's got to it's got to get a different color it's going to be lifewise red with the name across the side there's inspections to do and other things but the fact that it is here is a huge huge step so continue to pray for the opportunities with lifewise continue to pray that more parents will will be hearing about this and get excited about the opportunity of their kids coming and getting uh, religious education, character education uh, during the school day. So uh, I'm going to pray, and we're going to sing. Father God in heaven, how wonderful it is to be here with you today, aware of your presence, and aware of your presence with people who love you. I pray as we sing these songs today that we will be reminded of your presence, drawn into your presence, and that we will... um, we'll just grasp more fully the awesome God we serve and that we get this privilege of serving with people we love and who love you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Let's stand and sing. The words the artists have composed so beautifully bring together the massiveness of creation, the, um, the expanse of everything you did and continue to do that—that that just it—it it literally blows our mind away. And then there's this intimacy that you care about the one out of eight billion people in the world you care about the one you care about me you care about us to have both in the same being to have someone who's able to to pay attention to all the details of what's going on in the world and yet still know our names still be so, so very aware of everything that's going on in our lives right now. Only a God like you. That is why we're here today. We are, we are here to worship our God. Thank you. Thank you for everything you do and have done. And I pray that you will continue as we, as we walk throughout this upcoming week to be aware of your constant presence and action in our lives in big and small ways in Jesus name amen amen have a seat <clears throat> so we started into a, a series a, a few weeks ago that we're calling what's under the southfield hood and uh you know the reality is churches from time to time new people come in they've been here for a little bit and and they're liking what they're seeing on the externals you know they walk in they like the atmosphere they like what's happening in a service They like the people they're connecting with they see good stuff and and then they and then they start to be some deeper questions of okay so this is what i'm seeing but but what is this church or this organization really on the inside what do they believe what what's their history what you know what what are the things that have formed them it's one thing to see kind of these externals but but do the two match Does, does what i see on the external and the internal match and so we wanted to take some time to, to open up the hood and look at the things that really matter to us. And we started by looking at this passage from Matthew 28 where Jesus lays out the mission for his church. He says, if you're going to have the nerve to put the word church on your sign, you better be doing this. And if you're not doing this, it's false advertising. Because a church is supposed to be about making disciples. That's it. There's all kinds of stuff that churches through the, through the ages have gotten involved in that are cute, nice, and sweet, but Jesus didn't call us to be cute, nice, and sweet. He called us to be disciple makers and to make disciples of all nations, and that starts with the people in your own community, the people that you touch and serve all the time. And we walked through how that disciple making process takes place. And then we went from there and we started to look at uh, Acts chapter 2. Because when you look at Acts chapter 2 and the beauty of what happened in this, in this newly formed, newly born church, Jesus has told them to be a disciple-making group of people. And here already just uh, the bottom of the chapter 2, after the Holy Spirit comes in chapter 1, we have, we have um, just tremendous, tremendous things happening in the lives of transformed individuals. <clears throat> and as you look at this, you see six things that, that that church focused on and six things that we choose to be and do as a church because we think this is really the, the roadmap to being a disciple-making church. So we talk about things like teaching that is biblical. And, and John did a beautiful job last week talking about why, why we actually value the Word of God, why it's important. Why would you take a, a book that's so ancient and actually rest your life on it and believe it and live by it? And so we believe in teaching that is biblical. And that doesn't just mean that it has biblical themes, but we're actually every week opening up a passage of scripture and digging into it. And we're doing that here together and we're doing it on our own as well. Talk about relationships that are spiritual. And by spiritual, we mean these are, these are relationships that are, that are causing formation to take place in the people involved in that relationship. We're becoming more like Jesus as the relationship continues. Uh, we believe in worship that is a focus on God. I mean, the, these two songs today, beautiful. I could sing them all day. I could listen to them in my car. And, and beautiful words, beautiful melody, sung beautifully. And that's really not the issue of worship at all. It always comes back to, are we focusing on God? Are we actually focused on the fact that God is God is here right now, present with us, and he desires to have a relationship with us? We, we talk about prayer, and prayer that is Plural. It's not enough for us to occasionally do a prayer on our own. This is something that God wants his church to do collectively, to have hearts that are drawn together in prayer, participation that is generous. And by generous, I'm not talking about offering. I'm talking about every part of life that a person has an, an all inness when it comes to participating in the life of the body. They're involved in serving. They're, just, they're generous with their time with each other. You see these people, they, they spent time together in each other's homes. They're together daily in the temple courts. They were generous with each other. And all of that led to a, a community that was compelling. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Because the people saw what was going on, they wanted that too. And and certainly the the message of the gospel needed to be spoken, but there are a lot of churches through the years that have been great at speaking the message of the gospel and horrible at displaying the message of the gospel. And this church was doing both, and that's what God is calling us to do as well. Now as we looked at those six things, I mentioned this, uh, an old wooden bucket. An old wooden bucket has these, these slats that it's made of, slats of wood, and obviously that, wood, that bucket can only hold as much water as the shortest slat. If all the slats are sturdy and strong and one is only two inches, you're only going to hold two inches of water. And so what we try to do is look at those six things we talked about as six slats of a bucket and ask, where are we weakest right now? Where, where could we be challenged to grow? Because honestly, that weakest, that, that shortest piece of wood is the one that's, that's diminishing our effectiveness. We know that we're all about challenging people to take their next life-changing step toward becoming like Jesus, and we do that together. So in looking at this, what are some areas? Certainly, every area could always be strengthened some. What we're gonna do is kind of shift the series a little bit and move away from looking under the hood to instead looking at, what are a handful, even a less than a handful, I have three or four things that we're going to work on collectively as a, as a, as a body throughout this ministry year and watch different pieces of that wooden bucket get longer and stronger. And, and there are there's just some practices that we're going to put in place as a people that I think we're going to start to see some really uh, beautiful effectiveness and growth come from them. So here's where I want to start how's your diet? Like, oh, why did I come to church today? You know, I came came for Jesus. I came for love. I came for encouragement. I did not come to be picked on. I can get that from the doctor. I don't need to be asked about my diet. Well, of course, I'm not necessarily talking about your diet. You eat all the ho-hos you want. Go nuts. But I'm talking about your spiritual diet. How are you doing when it comes to consuming the Word of God? John does this great job last week describing to us why the Bible should matter in our lives. It's really important to us. And because it's important to us, I'd ask you this question: what's your approach to Bible intake? Think about how much, how much of the Word of God do you eat? How much of the Word of God do you take in? And you're like, you know what you can do right now? If you're you're looking at Sunday to Saturday, you can put a big check mark on Sunday right now because you're getting a good meal right now, okay? So yay, I eat on Sunday. Do you do anything with the Bible the rest of the week? If I were to suggest to you that today eat a really good meal, you will be eating again next Sunday. I mean, there would be like a peasants revolt, right? Nobody, I'm not going a week without food, no way. But there are some of us that week after week after week after week decide to go a full week without spiritual food. And we think we're going to be spiritually healthy and strong. And we wonder why there's weakness in our lives. It's because we're not eating. Eating once a week is a starvation plan. You you will wither down to nothing spiritually if all you're getting is the food I'm dishing up for you on Sunday morning. You need to take in the Word of God, especially in a time, in an era where messages are constantly, constantly coming at you. We might have gotten away with this in a different time, a different era, but now when the messages are always in your face, you need the Word of God to counteract all those messages that are coming. So one of the things we're going to be doing, just to give you a preview, uh, when we get into our winter groups, we're going to be focusing on Bible intake at that time. And I'll just offer you a number of different ways to take in the Word of God. There are a whole bunch of different ways that we can take in the Word of God. And what I love about this is what we find is that different people have different personalities when it comes to eating, uh, just like in real life, right? There are some of you that would, that would never touch a piece of celery for as long as you live, Right? And others of you, you know, you just peanut butter that up and you go. We all, have, we all have different habits when it comes to physical eating. We all have different things we like or don't like. Some of us use a fork. Some of us haven't seen a fork in 20 years. We all have different ways that we eat. And I think the same is true with the Word of God. So we'll focus on that. But until then, I don't want you to starve for the next three months. So until then, here's what I'm encouraging all of us to do, not just here on Sunday morning, but all of us to do from now until December 31st. Let's read the book of Proverbs together. We're going to read the book of Proverbs together. We're going to take time every day taking in some of the book of Proverbs, okay? Here's how this is going to work. I love this about Proverbs. The longest months of the year, 31 days, right? Amazingly, amazingly, 31 chapters in Proverbs. Now, I put the smartest people in the room on the front row. Today is October 8th. If today is October 8th, what chapter of Proverbs are we going to read today? Oh, my word, the wisdom. (laughs) So, we're going to read chapter 8 today. Tomorrow is October 9th. What chapter are we going to read tomorrow? Chapter Chapter 9. Oh, it's getting better and better. You see the way this works. You know, you, you read the chapter that correlates with the date of the month. You just go ahead and read that. Now, you may wonder, why Proverbs? Why am I picking that? I have a few reasons. One, because it's so stinking easy to stay on the same page. I mean, come on, you got to look at the date and you know which chapter to go to and we can all be doing the same thing. That part's easy. Second part is, I know a lot of you say, man, when I read the Bible, I just don't understand it. Because for some reason, you always decide to start in Revelation. Don't do that, you know? (laughs) Go somewhere that... If you can't understand Proverbs, you're probably not breathing. It's so, you know, so, so, so... There will be a few verses that you'll go, wait, what? But for the most part, you're going to read it and go, yeah, got that. It's kind of like, stop, Emmett. You know, I mean, it's, it's easy. It's clear. It's right there. So there's clarity with it. But here's the other thing I love about Proverbs. The other thing people say when they read their Bible is, I read my Bible and I didn't get anything out of it. Again, if you can't get something out of what Solomon says in Proverbs, you're sleeping through the moment. It is so incredibly practical. It relates to everyday life. So I encourage you to just go ahead and read the chapter or listen to the chapter that correlates with the day. Now, some of you are thinking, I already got a Bible pro-, pro plan. So do I. I read through the one-year Bible, and I'm going to do this too. Is it bad to eat a little more? Well, if it's physical food, maybe. But spiritual food, <laughs> you can never go wrong. So take it in. And There are all kinds of different ways we could approach this, Okay? I have it set up as a plan on dwell under our Southfield page so you could listen to it in dwell. Uh, There is a plan in YouVersion. If you're a YouVersion person, there's a plan there for Proverbs in 31 days. You could do that. You could grab a paper Bible and read it. Great. You might even choose to do it with someone. Maybe you'll sit with your family or just with your spouse. One of the things that's kind of nice with Proverbs because they're self-contained phrases, You read one, I read one. You read one, I read one. And we just go up and back reading and maybe we could either be quiet for a moment, think about it. We could stop and comment on it, but just take some time enjoying what you're reading in Proverbs. Now, beyond that, I want to encourage you that whenever you're together with somebody else from Southfield, ask them what's going on with their Proverbs reading. You know, let me give you an example. You're standing in the foyer there. Hey. Oh, hey. How oh, yeah. Good. See that Bills game? Yeah, they're way better than the Bears. <laughs> have you ever read the Bible? Yeah, sure have. Have you read the book of Proverbs lately? Yeah. Are you doing the Proverbs reading? What have you learned? What have you found? Anything interesting? Isn't it a little weird? Did you read that verse, blah, blah, blah? Whatever. Talk about it. Talk. Bring the together to it. You're in a small group right now. Make part of your small group, 10 minutes, we're gonna talk about what we're reading in Proverbs. And we're gonna do this for three months October, November, December. We'll start tomorrow on the 10th, so you're gonna miss, or on the 9th, so you're gonna miss the first eight chapters. You can decide to catch up, or you can go, Grace, we're about grace, right? (laughs) In fact, what I'd encourage you to do is only ever read the chapter for the day. Some of you gonna fall behind four days, and then you go, oh, I gotta chapter up on all that stuff. And then you never do it because you're not gonna just read the chapter of the day. Now, there are a couple things you need to know about the way Proverbs works. The first nine chapters feel a lot like the rest of the Bible. It's kind of a flowing conversation. Solomon is talking to his son or his children, and he's talking about wisdom and foolishness, and he compares them to a virtuous woman and a prostitute. You can guess which one is which. So, and he's talking about wisdom. Remember, wisdom wisdom's different than knowledge. Knowledge is rain is wet. Wisdom says, get out of the rain, So it's applied knowledge. You're applying your knowledge along the way. Um, So we have that part that he's going through and telling us about what wisdom and what foolishness this look like. And then chapter 10 comes in. And chapter 10 is what you typically think of as Proverbs. Just verse after verse after verse that almost seems kind of standalone. And in some ways it does, and in other ways as you get the chance to read through it even the third time, you'll see that some of these verses actually go together a little bit more than you thought. It's wisdom literature. Wisdom means it's just taking what is known and applying it to life. It's not, they're not promises. They're not promises. This is the way the good life generally works. Sometimes it doesn't. But this is the way the good life generally works. So you're not grabbing these as promises. You're learning the patterns. This is the way life works. All right? Reading on through very 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 applicable i promise you every time you read a chapter there's going to be at least one verse that you're going to say i could do something with that i could do something with that so what i want to do um got about eight minutes here the um the the group that we love to use with describing describing what the bible is all about has done a great eight minute overview of the book of Proverbs. I'd like us to watch this so that you get an idea of how it's broken down, how to interpret it, how to understand it, okay? So let's let's go ahead and see this together.
2: The book of Proverbs. The word proverb typically refers to a short, clever saying that offers some kind of wisdom. And this book has a lot of those. But they're almost all in the center section of the book, chapters 10 to 29. But there is way more going on in the book of Proverbs, especially at the beginning, chapters 1 through 9, and the conclusion, chapters 30 and 31. The book's been designed with an introduction, chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. And it first of all links this book to King Solomon. Now remember the story in 1 Kings chapter 3. Solomon had asked God for wisdom to lead Israel well. And so Solomon became known as the wisest man in the ancient world and we're told in 1 Kings chapter 4 that he wrote thousands of proverbs and poems and collected knowledge about plants and animals. So Solomon was like the fountainhead of Israel's wisdom literature. So while not all the material in this book is written by him personally, he is where Israel's wisdom tradition began. The introduction says that by reading this book, you too can gain wisdom. Now, wisdom for most of us means knowledge. But the Hebrew word chokhmah means much more than just mental activity. It refers to action also. So think skill or applied knowledge. This is why back in the book of Exodus, chapter 31, it was artists and craftsmen in Israel who were said to have chokhmah. So the purpose of this book is to help you develop a set of practical skills for living well in God's world. And this gets linked with another key idea in the introduction, the fear of the Lord. Now, fear here is not about terror. It's about a healthy sense of reverence and awe for God and about my place in the universe. It's a moral mindset that recognizes I am not God and that I don't get to make up my own definitions of good and evil and right and wrong. Rather, I need to humble myself before God and embrace God's definition of right and wrong, even when that's inconvenient for me. Now, this introduction leads us into the first main section of the book, chapters 1 through 9, which also doesn't contain short one-liner proverbs. Rather, what we find here are 10 speeches from a father to a son about how the son should listen to wisdom and cultivate the fear of the Lord and live accordingly, which means a life of virtue and integrity and generosity, all of which lead to success and peace. The father warns his son also about folly and evil and stupid decisions that will breed selfishness and pride, all leading to ruin and shame. And so the son should make the pursuit of wisdom and the fear of the Lord his highest goal in life. And this way of thinking, it forms the moral logic of this entire book. Now these speeches from the father also clue us into what biblical wisdom literature is and how it's different from other parts of the Bible. These books explore how to live well in God's world, but wisdom is not the same as law, like what Moses gave Israel at Mount Sinai. And it's not the same as prophecy, divine speech to God's people. Rather, wisdom literature has the accumulated insight of God's people through the generations about how to live in a way that honors God and others. And so, through the book of Proverbs now, these human words about wisdom have been put together as God's word and wisdom to his people. Which connects to the other thing you find in chapters 1 through 9. There are four poems from lady wisdom. Here wisdom has been poetically personified as a woman who calls out to humanity to pay attention and to seek her. Wisdom says that she is woven into the fabric of the universe, and so wherever you see people making wise decisions, they are relying on her. So you see someone being generous or having sexual integrity or upholding justice, they are drawing on wisdom. These lady wisdom poems, they're a creative poetic way of exploring this idea that we live in God's moral universe and that goodness and justice are objective realities that we ignore to our own peril. And so fearing the Lord, living wisely, it's living along the grain of the universe. Now, together, these two sets of speeches from the Father and Lady Wisdom, they make a powerful claim about this book, that you're not simply reading good advice, you're reading God's own invitation to learn wisdom from previous generations. And so, in the next section of the book, chapters 10 through 29, we find hundreds of ancient proverbs, and they apply wisdom and the fear of the Lord to every life topic you could imagine. Family, work, neighborhood, friendship, sex, marriage, money, anger, forgiveness, alcohol, debt, everything and these are all filtered through the value system of Proverbs 1 through 9. Now these Proverbs they're all pretty short, they're easy to memorize and actually this section of the book is meant to become a reference work that you return to time and time again throughout the years which raises some important issues in learning how to read these Proverbs. First of all Proverbs are by nature about probabilities so you fear the Lord and you make wise good choices things will likely go well for you. And if you don't fear the Lord, you're foolish. Your life will likely not go so well. Now, that is all often true, but not always. Which leads to the next point, that proverbs are not promises. They're not formulas for success. So, some proverbs, for example. The fear of the Lord prolongs your life, but the years of the wicked are cut short or train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they won't turn from it. So yes, fearing God, being a moral person, will most likely lead to a better, longer life, and raising your kids in a stable, loving home does set them up well, but there are no guarantees. Lots of things can and often do go wrong in our world. And so lastly, proverbs by nature focus on the general rule, but not the exceptions, which are many. And the wisdom books actually aren't ignorant of that. The exceptions are what the other wisdom books, Job and Ecclesiastes, are all about. And together, these acknowledge that life is too complex for simple formulas, which is why we need all of the wisdom books together to get the bigger picture. This all leads to the final section of the book, two large collections of poems. First, poems from a man named Agur, who begins by acknowledging his own ignorance and folly and his great need for God's wisdom. And then Agur discovers that divine wisdom has been given to him in the scriptures which teach him how to live well. And so Agur is put before us as like a model reader of the book of Proverbs, somebody who's always open to hearing God's wisdom through the scriptures. The final poems are connected to a man named Lemuel. He's a non-Israelite king and he passes on the wisdom that was given to him by his mom. It's guidance for being a wise and just leader. And then the final poem is an acrostic or an alphabet poem where each line begins with a new letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And the entire poem is about the woman of noble character. It depicts a woman who lives according to the wisdom of Proverbs and stands like a model of someone who takes God's wisdom and then translates it into practical decisions in everyday life, at work or at home, in her family and in her community. So the book opened with words from a father to a son about listening to Lady Wisdom, and so now the book closes by offering the words of a mother to her son about a woman who lives wisely. The book of Proverbs is for every person in every season of life. It's a guide for living wisely and well in God's good world, and that's what the book of Proverbs is all about.
0: give you the overview so that you get the chance to um, start to understand how to interpret what you're reading. Uh, it, it's not enough to just read it and come up with your own idea of what's being said, what's the Bible saying. So hopefully that gives you a good grounding. Now, I'm going to give you an example of wisdom in practice. Knowledge says that um, Dennis is supposed to be done preaching at 951, and it's 948, I realize that basically as i look at this i have another whole sermon that i was planning on doing this morning and uh wisdom says y'all would like to get out before i know I, dominique wants to say but everybody else is thinking everybody else is thinking they're gonna go crazy i'm gonna save the re- the next part uh, because it's really i want to be able to take my time with it so what i'm going to do is shift here real quick and help us all to do our homework so here's the way the bible works a little practical thing okay you take it and you slice it about in half. If you go about halfway, oh, look. Well, that's Isaiah. It's supposed to land at Psalms. Generally, it'll land at Psalms. One after Psalms is Proverbs. What is today? Good answer, front row. Today is the eighth. All right. Let's hear what Solomon had to say in chapter 8. The title that they put on in this Bible is wisdom Call. Wisdom's Call. Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? I love that he compares wisdom to a woman. At the highest point along the way, where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Beside the gate leading into the city, at the entrance she cries out, to you, O people, I call out. I raise my voice to all humans. You who are simple gain prudence. You are who are foolish. Set your hearts on it. Listen, for I have a trustworthy thing to say. I open my lips to speak what is right. My mouth speaks what is true. For my lips detest wickedness. All the words in my mouth are just. None of them are crooked or perverse. To the discerning, all of them are right. They are upright to those who have found knowledge. Choose my instruction instead of silver, knowledge rather than the choice uh, rather than choice gold for wisdom is more precious than rubies and nothing you desire can compare to her i wisdom dwell together with prudence i possess knowledge and discretion to fear the lord is to hate evil i hate pride and arrogance evil behavior and perverse speech counsel and sound judgment are mine i have insight i have power By me, kings reign and rulers issue decrees that are just. By me, princes govern and nobles, all who rule on the earth. I love those who love me, and those who seek me find me. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice, bestowing a rich inheritance on all those who love me and make my treasuries full. The Lord brought me forth as as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was formed long ago at the beginning when the world came to be. When When there were no watery depths, I was given birth. When there were no springs overflowing with water. Before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the world or its fields or any of the dust of the earth, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep. Sounds like so will I, doesn't it? When he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundaries so the waters could not overstep his command, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in humans. Now then, my children, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways, the ways of wisdom. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not disregard it. Blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For those who find me find life and receive favor from the Lord. But those who fail to find me harm themselves. All who hate me love death. Father, we're grateful that you gave Solomon and others the wisdom to write these words. I pray that as we read them together as a church, three different times, three different months, each chapter as we we listen, I pray that our our hearts would be formed more in the image of Christ, but our hearts would also be melded together. As we're actually doing something together that's really important. We're on a common diet, and we're eating the Word of God. And because of that, we're not only going to be strengthened and grow as individuals, But we're going to strengthen and grow as a church thank you for your word thank you for not leaving us without instruction and guidance in jesus name amen Amen. we eat the word of god the bible we also get the chance to partake of the word of god jesus christ he is truly our bread of life and that is symbolized through through communion every week we walk to communion here at our church we have tables up front and in the back we have gluten-free on either side of the platform back by the by the camera there as well so let's go ahead and take the walk to communion today and as we do let's just continue enjoy thinking about taking in everything god has for us i know that a lot of times i don't know if your house like our house but on the weekends sometimes you're kind of unaware of what's going on besides what's in your family room and in your backyard and so yesterday morning you know we were rudely reminded, as many of us were, that uh, our world is full of evil, full of hate. And once again, there was a, just an absolutely unconscionable attack on Israel. And um, when we heard about the attack, I think part of, what have, <coughs> part of what made it so difficult is the idea that people would come into your city or into your village, capture your grandmother, capture your wife, take your children, take your grandson, and just take them as hostage to another place and use them as pawns in a war. War is, war is always horrid, right? And then there are forms of warfare that are just like beyond barbaric, and this is one of them. It's one of them. And so I hope that to whatever list you're praying, you will add Israel. The amount of prayers that have been prayed for Israel through the years are countless, right? But the Bible commands us, commands us to pray for Israel, to pray for Jerusalem, to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And I, I'm not always convinced that that peace is about an end of conflict between nations, but about peace truly coming to the human heart. That a group of people, that a nation, that a region would finally recognize that they need Jesus. And that's the only way anything is ever gonna change. They need to accept the Son of God into their lives. And so, Father, this morning, as we walk from this place and we go on to the trivial things of our lives what are we going to order at Portillo's? What are we going to watch today on TV? I pray that we'd realize there are people in this world that are living in horrific conditions right now. And honestly, that's not just Israel. They're living in horrific conditions and they're fearing for their lives. And I pray that even that very fear would cause them to wake up to the reality of Jesus. That peace will only come to a human heart when we trust in Jesus as the forgiver of our sins and the leader of our lives. I pray that this would be yet another one of those moments, though it is an incredibly tragic moment, that it would be an opening, an opportunity for people to finally encounter the living God through Jesus Christ. And we pray all of this in his name. Amen. Amen. We'll see you next Sunday.